0: I want to give you a little bit about me so you know what voice you're listening to over the next 30 minutes, if I time this right. Uh, I'm a native Phoenician, been here my whole life uh, for 36 years. My wife Bethany and I have been married for six over 16 years, and we have three sons, Jonas and Cannon, who are identical twins, they're going to be 12 in November, and then Liam, who just turned eight this summer, and we're trying to figure out virtual schooling with them as we're both working so that's a ton of fun i'm sure lots of people are in that boat with us too uh we also in addition to being part of the community of missus de phoenix and me pastoring there my wife leading music we also started a coffee shop and roastery in sunny slope arizona sunny slopes is very unique community in central phoenix very diverse very broken and also very beautiful all at once. And we opened up with the support of our missional community and from our whole congregation. We started a nonprofit coffee shop where we build community in Sunny Slope. And we also work to provide job and life skills training, paid work experience to vulnerable youth. Kids that are about to age out of the foster care system, refugee youth, and young people who are just at risk of homelessness. They come and they work here. And they learn transferable job skills. So that's actually where I'm recording right now, is in the office of Cultivate Coffee. If you ever want to come visit us? He's been loving looking that. at cars, hear,
1: especially uh, uh, Camaros right and now of Dodges, and he thinks that's just like one grander, car. So and then you know Dodge, Challenger, cool Charger, and we be a figured out you can that, tell the and difference. Challenger has two doors, just like two L's, and we're trying to explain that to him, but he still doesn't quite get it. But we tried. But I made the point that we ought to be looking for God's blessing in our life, just like. Caden uh, looks for cars and, and gets really absolute, get incredible delight out of finding the cars that he's looking for on the road. And space. I thought that point was wonderful. So uh, you guys really were nodding, so you loved it too. Um, and afterwards, a young theologian, Seeing, uh, Owen Robertson, the came up. And so, uh, for those of you don't know, he's eight, so there's nothing like getting rebuked by an eight-year-old at the end of stuff. Walks up, and he had the look on, like, I want to talk to the pastor after. And if you've ever been a pastor or done this, just so you know from this side, we can tell what's up. When somebody's walking like this towards you,
0: he either this said idea something that they really loved or something they
1: really hated. Being uh, and being as he was asleep for half the time, time I is didn't is know what he was going to go with. So unique Owen uh, comes up, faith, and he's like, "All right, how are we supposed to look for we blessings? like we look for cars?
0: What it means as we follow Jesus? I was like, what do you mean?" But and he's like, how are we supposed to do that? I look out my window
1: and I see cars. Every single one of but us how do I look out the window and see God's blessing?"
0: The great theologian, Oh dang poet. that's a really good question. And so, one I did not way, answer for you, it may be uh, but devil, I just assume that, Lord,
1: like, I don't know, you could make that leap. Somebody. Uh, but what I realized maybe, is in failing to connect that last dot, that I left at white. least one of you uh, wondering, like, all right, way, but how do I do person Because each and every time that we gather, we absolutely and unapologetically want to see us as a church not just become nicer people. Like, our goal in gathering together is not to have you hold doors open for elderly people, though that is fantastic to do. It's not just to clean up your vocabulary a little bit. Drop a rating in your uh, videos.
0: It's not just... And just say, they drop ah, Missio could he be a little bit nicer. Each. That would be awesome. Let's aim for that. But longest. we
1: definitely do want to see this church become uh, spirit-filled, uh, but healing, watching presence one of the contestants in this world. Saying, we want to see over and the people of this church known for their radical love for and the way they lay down their lives for their
0: neighbors. That he never had in a poor family. But you're like, man, and all of this—how do I begin to grow in that? And so, so, like point, when we press in, right? We say we want to see people saying, "Like, come
1: hell or high above, water, I am in for along. following Jesus. Jesus' love has radically wrecked my life in the best possible way. He, he's, he's melted my heart. He's set me free. The, he's brought new life. He's taken dead things that were enslaved the in sin and set them free.
0: Like He's not just the center of history, but He's the center of my history." started to break down. And, and we, we want to see crying crying that take
1: place. And I want to see us grow wife, up as women, thousands and thousands men, and children and who have an
0: ever-growing saying, relationship to know with that God. I'm doing a good job. And I just need to know that I'm But it's your hero. easy to ask, awesome. Am I your hero? But how? I just need to know. Like, what can we do and to really make that really what you started to see I grew up, was uh, that... He, surfing is one of my favorite pastimes growing up. And so I remember when I was 18, I just graduated high school.
1: I got to go on a trip to Hawaii with my dad and my two brothers. Um, My one brother was probably like eight or nine, so the age my kids are now. And for a lot of the trip, the he was just left on the beach while spirit. we went out surfing. So was I regret that. Look desired. back and say, that was probably pretty rough on Daniel. All but the rest of us had a killer trip. And sure. so we would go out to breaks. But in that's Hawaii, the fact. waves don't always break right but on the coast. Question Sometimes question they break too, really far out. Like, I'm talking like a mile out. So if you see white water, but they tell you there's waves. You don't, don't have to, like, how big is it? If you see it, it's big enough. Like, anything at all on the horizon. And so I remember being younger and when I was in way better shape. But looking out, saying, like, that's a really long way I have to go. How in the world have I'm going to paddle all the way out there.
0: Your children.
1: Only to have my dad, parents. who had been serving for a That's lot more years, say, Well, you don't, that. I mean, you can do and what that. what I think i Or uh, there's a channel with a current, 30 current 30 that just kind of, you paddle some. Is but a majority of the work's done actually by the current. Like you work with the current. There's usually and it pulls you out there. And then uh, your problem's getting back in. But you don't worry about that. why we
0: would serve somebody.
1: And so I learned thing. that you can work the with what's is going on already, obligation. and then you're able to uh, experience results far settings, beyond what like I could ever do in my own strength. Somebody and so when it comes to us following God, when we're Jewish learning to grow in our relationship and with and God, a lot of the work that we do, do is to say, how do we get in the current where he's already working and let him do. do most of the work? Why, why because we still work with God in what he's doing. I think some of us were raised maybe in environments that said, hey, it's all about grace. Jesus does it all. Which, when it comes to our salvation and our rescue, is absolutely true. asks them to but as you grow as a follower of Jesus, uh, you learn you so. to flex right? your there's grace-filled an muscles and do some of the work involved. along with what the Spirit's already doing in your life. And
0: there's also expectation, and it
1: takes some of that effort for and us. And so, what are some of the that things you're that you're we can do something. in growing I mean, to be people you who are grateful are and are able to see the blessing happened. of God in our life? And so, why might I? A uh, last point is by way of intro is so this came up on my news feed the other day.
0: Do something nice and um, Masterclass. So, what, you guys know the masterclasses. Do you guys are in the algorithm that's asking if you want to learn nice more about
1: different random stuff? Because it's COVID uh, and obviously you have more time to spend like a um, hundred and some bucks to learn how to do things. Because then you'll cook like Gordon Ramsay or whatever. Uh, but this one popped up and it was the masterclass Learn to skate a, with a Tony Hawk, which uh, would be pretty stinking amazing, right? So, the idea is that you download these videos. Can get
0: this game? You watch him for however long, and
1: Tony Hawk teaches you how to skate.
0: He had been buttering all day. Now that'd be amazing, like if
1: that worked that way. You know what I'm saying? Brilliant. How many of you ever stood on a skateboard? Me up and how many of you think that watching Tony Hawk skate
0: do this, or listening to
1: him describe how to skate, skate is actually going to be what and enables so you to
0: skate? Sometimes we serve people
1: All the observation in the if that was true that like we'd all know how to skate cuz we all watched him in the X Games or played Tony Hawk Pro Skater, But game, as
0: right? often is the case with the gospel it, Like I love with that game cuz all you did was hit buttons and Jesus he did stuff. Like that was amazing. What he has done But there's a big difference
1: next uh between observation and participation. So it's it's very easy as we do these things, even for me to talk about, this is what it looks like for us to enter into that 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 current and go with the grace of what God's doing in our life and pay attention and be able to enjoy that and and describe that perfectly for you.
0: And you observe it and
1: you listen to it and maybe something stirs up inside of of you. And there's also something different though when you enter into that and actually participate with what God's doing in your life and actually start to practice some of these things. And so, what we're going to do for the I'm next fifteen right now, minutes,
0: the first I'm going to read the Psalm
1: that we're in, Psalm 103, and I'm actually going to ask you guys because we skip down uh, we're going to go old school Lord with it to Lord just Lord go ahead Lord, and stand later, up while I read this Psalm. In verse 12 16. And this will be our right observation now, spot. So, as you read,
0: John 13,
1: pay attention to the words. See if something jumps out at one, you. Before and then the I want to teach Festival, us how we can
0: write our own songs to pay Jesus attention to what knew, God's doing. This is what it says. I'm reading out of the CSB, Christian Standard Bible. It says, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Before we go any further, we're going to take a look at a way that Jesus radically serves people. But before we do, I want us to see that John chooses to start this section off with this fact. Jesus loved. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So he knows his hours coming and listen to what he does. Verse two. Now, when it was time for supper, The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. Catch that. Jesus knew the father gave everything into his hands, like everything belonged to him and all authority and power was his. He knew, it says, that he came from the father, like he he stepped down out of his throne in heaven he he knows who he is and that he has all things and he knows the power that he has and he knows what's about to happen and that he's going to go back to the father and so this is what he does so verse 4 so he got up from supper laid aside his outer clothing took a towel and tied it around himself next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. I want us to just reflect on how incredible that is. I, I know a lot of us who maybe have been around the church for a while, we've heard teachings or or this story about Jesus washing his disciples' feet, and maybe we've caught glimpses of what that might mean, but I have hardly ever actually reflected on That verse before that, Jesus, knowing fully who he is, knowing the power and authority he has, knowing where he came from and where he's going, he gets up and he washes their feet. Knowing his power and authority, he chooses to become a servant. In the context of this washing the feet, this is a dirty, grimy, humiliating task. something that is actually was only left for the lowest of servants. If you have someone in a household who is coming to wash your feet in this ancient Near Eastern world, it is the person of lowest stature in that home. Your feet were uh, walking around through dirt and mud and manure and all kinds of filthy things in an ancient world that did not have street sweepers coming by uh, that did not have cars but had animals transporting people and doing their business where they needed to. This was a dirty job, but more than just it being a dirty job, it was a humiliating job. And Jesus does it knowing he is the king of the universe, knowing he is the one and only true perfect Son of God, knowing he is about to go be with the Father again. So he gets up. He removes his outer clothing, ties a towel around himself so that he can have that to soak up the dirty water running off of their filthy toes. and He serves. This was not out of obligation. Jesus is the king, not the servant. Jesus came from his throne in heaven. Jesus was called their master. Even though they didn't fully understand who Jesus was and how he was bringing the kingdom, they knew they called him their Lord, their master. Even as, a, as simply a rabbi, a teacher, there's no way he would have been obligated to this role. There were other people there who would have been obligated to do this, but Jesus cast that obligation aside This is not what's motivating him, not out of expectation. there was nothing Jesus was expecting to get in return from these men by washing their feet perhaps if i if I go and I wash this master's feet. Maybe he would show favor to me and I would get something in return. This is the way that the Roman culture worked very well during that time. It it was something called patronage. And if you as a lowly servant would go and take care of and do tasks for someone of high stature in Roman culture, you might get rewarded something in return that would make your life a little more comfortable. And these people had none of that. To offer to Jesus. He expected nothing from them in that sense. In fact, we also read who else was in that room Judas, the one who would betray him. Jesus expected fully, he knew what was coming from Judas, he knew what to expect. And it wasn't a reward for washing his feet. And yet Jesus served. The beginning of this tells us why, not out of obligation or out of expectation, but this third way of living, out of love, Jesus serves, humbly served. Jesus humbled himself. Philippians 2 says it this way, that Jesus, in verse 8, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross. This is the type of service out of love that Jesus brought. He didn't have anything to get from us, and he wasn't obligated to. His obedience to the Father was driven by love for the Father. His, his obedience was not an obligation but as one of this is how I serve the Father who I love. This is how I serve the people who I love, who the Father has sent me to. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, even the end that came on a cross. We often think about the way Jesus served us, the ultimate sacrifice that he made was on that cross, was going into the tomb, into the grave. But we're also reminded in this story in John 13 that Jesus took on the attitude and nature of a servant throughout his life as well. He had no obligation to us and no expectation. But the thing that was set before him, the thing that drove him to serve, was love. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says that Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, that for the joy that set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him, he was able to endure the cross. He was able to serve us and humble himself to the point of death. And I want us to think about what was the joy that was set before him? Often, when I would read this before, I I would often think about maybe this joy set before him was he was going to be with the Father. I mean, that's what it says, right? To sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. But then we remember he was already there. And and he came down from that. He stepped down from that into this broken world to serve us. And and so maybe the joy set before him was he would have the name above all other names, and and he would be crowned king. But remember, Jesus is the one who brought this world into being. Colossians 1, uh, I think it's in verse 15, says this. Uh, yeah, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. The invisible, the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. And for him, he is before all things. And by him, all things hold together. And so Jesus already had this this status. There was nothing he could expect as a reward from that. He already had it all. So what was the joy that was set before him? It was the restoring of all things. All, All things visible or invisible all things in creation belong to him. And he was working with the father to restore all of it. Why? Because he loves his creation. He loves his world. And so Jesus invites us into this third way to serve not out of obligation or expectation, but out of love he starts to explain this to his disciples later because they're blown away. Like, what are you doing washing our feet? And if you jump down with me to verse 12 of John 13, when Jesus had washed their feet, it says, and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again at the table and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. So he's reminding them like, yeah, this doesn't seem to make sense that I'm doing this for you, right? I'm not, I'm not obligated to do this. Verse 14, he says, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet.
1: Like that doesn't work, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, and so literally on the way over here, like I'm like, all right, Jesus.
0: I- for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. What Jesus is doing right there is he's saying, listen, there, it didn't make sense for me to do this except for that what I'm showing you is that I, your master, your teacher, your Lord, your king, the one over all things, if I would humble myself to serve you in this way because of my great love for you, you, the servant, you're no, you're no greater than the master. How much more are you called then to walk in this way of service and humility? How much more are you called to serve and love one another because of the love that I've shown you? And so it's Jesus's love poured out for us in his service toward us that invites us now into this third way of living that makes us now servants because of the king who served us we now are invited to walk in this way where we serve one another and we serve the community that God has placed us in in a way that it points them back to, this is what Jesus is like. This is what the Lord who served us is like. And you get to see a little bit of what he's like and to know him a little bit more because of the ways that we are demonstrating that to the world around us that's watching. But here's the question for us. Is this something that we just do because of hearing stories like this, because of uh, being around the church and, and hearing those sermons and those teachings, and we go, well, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do because Jesus told me so. The Bible tells me so, right? If that is what is driving that, then isn't that still service out of obligation? Doesn't that miss that third way that Jesus invites us into, of why he served, not out of obligation, but out of love. If we respond to the story also in the same way, and we go, okay, so if, if I do serve, Jesus will then be pleased with me. He'll be happy with me. He'll see what I've done, and he'll go, okay, that one's not like a Judas. That one, that one is accepted then aren't we also serving out of an expectation? We can get something in return from Jesus if we do the right things, which, again, is missing this third way Jesus is inviting us into of service out of love. I want us to maybe let's, let's get more real with this question. Let's think about current social issues. With everything going on in the world, and there's there's many who are crying out for justice, and then there's others who are crying out for their rights. Uh, and, and you can see this on the political spectrum, maybe, uh, that oftentimes you can see conservatives crying out for their rights and freedoms to be upheld. And then you can see others on the other side of that, uh, on the liberal side of the political spectrum, crying out for what is called social justice. And it seems like those two things are in tension with one another. And the reality is I want us to see this in light of service. Who are we serving and, and why are we serving? And starting with the who, if we're crying out for our own rights, our own personal freedoms, t- for those to be protected, the reality is we are in service to our own comfortable lifestyle. The things that we do and the things that we say and the things that we vote for are in service to upholding our comforts and our rights and our life. And so who are we serving but ourselves? But even on the other side of that, if you flip that, I, I'm not trying to make this a political thing as far as which side, of which party should you be in, which side of the political line should you be on, but helping us to understand that there's a third way. And so if you flip that and you go, okay, in the social justice realm, if I am posting things on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and I'm and I'm crying out for social justice and I'm doing it in a way where I want people to see that. My son, again, my youngest, he he has this uh, YouTube channel that he likes to watch and I absolutely despise it. and So I try to limit how much he watches the show as much as I can. There's nothing really, really wrong with it, except that it's super annoying. But it's this family of gamers; they just play video games, and he loves to watch it. I, I don't get it, but I'm mean, old, so uh, I don't understand YouTube culture. But he was telling me the other day; he's trying to convince me why I should love this YouTube channel as much as he does. And he says, "Dad, they give like five hundred thousand dollars away to charity every year." And I was like, "Ah, is that true? Can that be true?" It's um, things struggling with raising you know black
1: that? kids in our current cultural climate. He said, oh, That's well, they a real thing said
0: so on their channel. And I thought that's really, that's interesting. Why would that be something you just throw out there? Right. Uh, the reality is so many of us are wanting to make sure we post the right things that we are uh, standing on, on the right side of the protest in order to display to certain people around us uh, so that they would approve us. Uh, hey, good job, you're on the right side of this fight, right? And isn't there an expectation in that? That if you see me out there crying out for justice for other people, then I will be noticed as someone who does good. Then the question is, who are you really serving? Maybe you've heard that saying before of like, it just feels so good to help somebody out, you know? That's something that I've said before. It's something I've heard many people say. I just feel so good when I'm able to help somebody. Have you ever said that or or heard someone say that? Think about what that statement is actually saying. When it stops feeling good, will you still serve the other people? When it no longer feels good, it's difficult and it costs you. Would you still want to serve? Because that's exactly what Jesus was doing. When it did not feel good, when he was so anxious, he was sweating blood. When he was dreading what was coming up ahead of him. When it would cost him everything, his very life. He loved to the very end. He humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. And he served out of love. And so the question for us to think about this week as we go out into the world is first and foremost, not whether you are a servant. As we said, everybody is in service to someone or something. The the reality is you're serving something, but remember we now have a new identity because of Jesus, the King who served us. We are now not greater than the master. We are a servant like him. And so you already have an identity as a servant. The question to ask ourselves is, how well are we walking in that? How well are we living out that call of that servant identity? Are we being faithful to that call? And one way to examine that is to examine, practically speaking, in what ways have I been serving the king? Have I been practically living my got life the such a was way right? that and so, I am uh, in service and to myself me, like, or someone or something else? Or have I been faithful to serving the servant king, Jesus, who served me to the point of death, out of love? And then the second question after that is, why have I been living in that way? Why have I been serving? Has it been out of this sense of obligation Because if if that's the case, then we have missed the fact that Jesus served us out of love. So there's not an obligation now to prove ourselves to him. Or am I serving out of expectation that if I do this, Jesus will be pleased with me? Because once again, we are missing the fact that he has already, already accomplished everything for us on our behalf. So anything to gain has already been gained by what Jesus has done. Through his service. So, those questions have I been faithful in my servant identity to serve the King of all creation? And if I have been doing that practically, have I been faithful in my heart motivation? Am I doing it truly out of love? Because if I remember what Jesus has done through the Spirit, I also remember the the next thing he did to serve us after rising out of that grave was to then send us the spirit he did all that through. And so now out of the power of the spirit and dwelling in my life and reminding me of the good news of my identity in Jesus, I can now be replenished with the strength to return that service back to him. You know, to, to serve actually just means to give something over. And I think about that with like, Uh, volleyball or tennis. When you, when you give the ball over, you call out the score and you say service and you send it over. Right. And that is this invitation that the Lord calls us into that at the very beginning, God created, he worked and created all things. And then he, what does he do? He gives it over to humanity. He, He says, I'm calling you now, this creation, this beautiful canvas. I put all this potential into, I'm giving it over to you to cultivate, to bring out the potential, to see that it flourishes. He he sends it over. And we rebelled against that humanity. We rebelled against our call to serve that right back over to God. This, uh, If you can picture this beautiful volley back and forth over the net, we rebel against that call to give back to God what he's given to us. Instead, we go, no, no, let's take this for ourselves. And Jesus steps over the net, so to speak. He he comes down onto the other side into creation and costing him everything, he ups the ante in service and he serves us to the point of death. And he does what we were meant to do. But he does it to restore us back into this beautiful volley of service. I apologize, that's the best analogy that came to mind in the moment. But he calls us back into that service that I give to you now this identity and this calling. And I give to you my spirit to live it out. And what do we do with that? We give it right back. In the power of the spirit, we can remember Jesus' great love for us. And that fuels us. And out of a loving response, we get to serve Jesus back. And the way we serve him is we remember that he said, what you have done unto the least of these, you have done to me. How do, how do we get to serve this great king who is our master has loved us, we love and serve others. We love our church community. We love the city that we are placed in. And we do that in such a way that it shows people what the great, loving, serving King over all creation is like. Bit over. And so, whatever resources He's provided us with, whatever abilities or skills or gifts he has given to us, that we get to use those in service to him and to others. This is not something we do out of obligation because we're expected to. It's not something we do to get a reward back. It's something we do because, as Jesus pointed out to his disciples, the servant is no greater than the master. And if the master himself is willing to come down and serve in a way that cost him everything. If we would just reflect on that for a moment and feel the weight of that, to feel how we've been loved by our master who had no obligation or anything to get in return. Lord, may that completely transform our hearts and fill us with love in such a way that we, would respond out of love as well. That we would answer this invitation into this third way of living, a way of service to you by serving those around us. And may we know that as we serve, we aren't emptying ourselves out to be empty and depleted, but we are sending back over what you have already given to us. And we know you will continue to serve us and fill us back up as well. May we remember that we are doing this in the power of your spirit and that we will never run dry because of that. May this be true of us, Monsieur Dei. We ask this in the name of Jesus to the glory of the Father and the power of the Spirit. Amen.